Hello, and welcome to Everything Remade, a podcast that I hope is about growth as much as it is about music. I'm Sean Decker, and I'd like you to hear something. You're hearing Divination by Solarized, featuring my pal Alex Smith on vocals. Not only is Alex a great vocalist, but also an accomplished author and just swell person to chat with. Enjoy. I'm from North Carolina originally, uh-huh. um, Greenville, North Carolina. Um, I have a brother, um, a sister, and you know, uh, it was my mom and like my stepdad, I guess. So <laughs> just kind of growing up in a smallish college town in North Carolina, Eastern North Carolina, which is a totally different world than the middle part in the Western part of the state, but um, yeah. Yeah. Just kind of doing my thing and yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Going what, up, watching cartoons. Oh yeah, for sure. Was music a big part of your family household growing up? Um, in a way. So my mom liked a lot of music, right? Uh-huh. But like I think her life kind of changed when um she had kids. She was less um she just stopped getting into new things. And um so she wasn't really like she had a ton of records, but she wasn't really like consistently buying records, even though she was still kind of youngish, you know, she was only in her thirties. But I guess there was a different world back then. Like once people turned 30, they stopped doing, th- you know what I mean? Like doing interesting cool things. And it was all about having to have a family or whatever. So, but um, I basically inherited all my mom's records and became like really obsessed with them. So in a way, I was the one that was kind of playing music all the time. Yeah. Like, just like my mom's 45s and the LPs and stuff. So. And what kind of stuff was that that you were playing? Oh, like all that all that heat, like, uh, you know, from Stax and Motown. Uh-huh. Um, she had, like, a pretty, like, it was not huge. Like, it was, like, two crates, maybe. But they were, like, just tons of 45s you know yeah um, like stack stuff was always intriguing um uh just like curtis mayfield jackson five um aretha franklin all that stuff i mean she just had it all and i was just like in awe of it you know yeah yeah so like stuff yeah. that she was collecting yeah. when she was younger and then it was just like right. it was there so yeah yeah. yeah yeah like when she got to college like it really opened up her eyes to a lot of things, I think. And she started just, you know, having fun and being young in the late sixties, early seventies, and just doing like, you know, an empowered uh, black woman would do. And she just had like some, a lot of dope shit, you know, hanging out in the crates. Like, (laughs) and we we just listened to it like it was regular music. We didn't even think that it would be like this coveted thing, you know? Uh Uh-huh. Like we abused those records, <laughs> right? Right. You didn't. I mean, I mean, no matter how much like parents try yeah. to impress on kids, like you know, you just you handle everything how you handle your own body as a kid. You know, you just like. Right. Uh, but yeah, did you? Uh, do you feel like you had a? Um, did you have like a, vis- a visceral like connection to like that physical aspect of music, like? Or, or do you still maintain one because uh, because you you were like putting on a record and flipping a record and going right. through the inner sleeves or whatever? You, yeah. Yeah. I mean, 100%. Like, everything about records was just fascinating to me. Like, I would – there was a particular record. Um, it was called Freddy's Dead, right? Um, it's – by Curtis Mayfield, 
Can you hear me? Uh-huh. Oh, sorry. And, um, you know, on the flip side was uh, this song called Underground. And I used to just like, it was on a 45. And I used to just stare at that thing all the time because it was just mesmerizing. And there was no cover to it, really. They just came in like a little paper sleeve. Yeah. But the, um, the artwork was just bizarre. And like, I don't know, it was just very strange and like, you know, very psychedelic and uh, kind of swirly. And like, it was just, I don't know. I just loved looking. I would just stare at that logo, like um, just for days because, and the music was so just bizarre and weird and kind of like, it wasn't like your typical like R and B song at all. Cause there was like vocal samples and like people being like, it was basically about this um, dystopian world. So it was really creepy and it made me like, scared for the future yeah but that was one of my early experiences with like a record you know because i because like all you had was just the record you didn't know anything about who this person was like you just had curtis makefield's voice over this weird kind of eerie music um you know the a-side was weird enough freddie's dead about this dude that becomes a junkie right and then the b-side is just about this dystopian future you're just like damn this is some raw shit. Like, <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I would just, yeah, I, I totally had like all of those moments of just being able to like pour over records and like when hip hop came around, I would pour over like De La Soul albums. Like they had little cartoons in the, in the cassette. Like, uh-huh. yeah. So like those were just like great memories and stuff. Yeah. I was always I, like, yeah, I was always like really like, um, my parents never had records, but when I like got into cassettes myself, like I was always really, um, uh, like what, one thing that I always thought was awesome was when yeah. you'd get into a cassette and the, the panels would be like some, someone would flip them like accordion style or someone right. would go over the, like you know, yeah, just yeah. like the weird stuff people would try to do. I always thought that yeah. was really cool. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's, yeah, that that record sounds wild. I'm going to have to look that up. But like. Oh, yeah, it's a really cool record. It seems like right away you were kind of like, like stumbled upon this example of like, this is someone who typically you, you might recognize their music as being one thing but then they yeah. have this shot of, shot in the dark that's sort of like you're just like holy crap like music yeah. can be this esoteric and and For weird sure. and whatnot and like that's really yeah. awesome yeah. yeah like a lot of the 70s funk um musicians started making music like that they really wanted to like have an impact and be a part of their communities and um you know push the envelope a little bit and so, you know, I guess, and it's interesting because mainstream or, or whatever you want to call it, like whatever is considered black music at the time, always like ebbs and flows, I guess, with its um, creativity and its sort of political charge. But like that late 60s, early 70s moment was definitely highly political and definitely highly artistic. Like you had to come correct. So you, you couldn't just like rest on your laurels doing the same boobop shawap, you know, you had to be dynamic and you had to be engrossing, but you also had to have bops too. Right. Yeah. So like when people bought an album, they were expecting like, you know, a good amount of like bops. Right. But then they also wanted to have that one seven or eight minute song that was just kind of weird and dreamy and that they can make love to and like smoke to and just really think about. Right. Like yeah. people wanted people wanted variety in their music and so you had to have both like energetic um danceable music but you also had to have music that made people think and want to just really delve into an lp right yeah so, and this, this was just common practice this is what people liked so yeah yeah i think it's i think it's really strange that like um a lot of modern music like is lost on on that kind of uh, diversified like formula like yeah you know there's like <clears throat> there may like even you know as you started getting into like the late 80s or whatever it was like i feel right. like you saw that less and less and yeah it would be like 
oh, these this album is all this kind of song, but then like one ballad or whatever, right. as opposed right. to like what you're describing. Um, yeah. But I mean, you know, I don't, I, I'm assuming that you know just the the business models or whatever, as it were, in the record mm-hmm. industry was you know trying to uh, control a lot of that. And just like, yeah, oh, this isn't what people want anymore or whatever. But, um, yeah, um, they're trying to like be cookie cuttery and like, um, just follow trends that were like, just it was always that was always a dangerous proposition because black culture and in, and in like global youth culture is always like adopting something new, right? Mm-hmm. Like, even amongst genre, right? Like, there's always a new style of, let's say, hip hop that is just like two weeks away from blowing up. So it's kind of like, it's almost pointless to just continuously trace, chase this trend of like, what's hot right now. So, but you know, if you're not, if you're not there when it, when it hits, then you're just fucking up. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, Yeah. I I feel like that's, that's, um, almost, that's almost universal prop across pop culture though like even mm-hmm. you know like i know you you know you're a big comic fan and it's like right. how when walking dead started blowing up then there's a zillion yeah. zombie comics and you're like everybody's yeah. like six months late on that because they right. they take six months to make or whatever you know so, right. Right. Uh, so yeah it, like you're saying it's like it's, it's mm-hmm. pointless to chase these trends it's it's yeah it's fantastic when you just happen right place right time and you know right. hey that's also what i'm doing but uh Right. Yeah. Um, so, like, what um, what were your first experiences like playing music? Were you able to um, play like in a music class at school, or did you have like um, uh, like any kind of band or choir choir uh, class at school? Yeah, I did. I didn't take any of that seriously, you know, like mm-hmm. playing the recorder and like. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, like I didn't take any of that very seriously. Um, but for me, it was more like rapping and stuff, I guess. The first like foray into making music. Like, and even before I was like a rapper, I was like designing things already. Like I was already designing album covers, mm-hmm. like in f- fourth grade and shit. And um, I would just like pretend I was in rap groups and stuff. And like, <laughs> like sometimes I would get some of my friends to actually be in the group <laughs> or like my brother or whatever. But most of the time we just, kind of like i just kind of like pretended you know yeah and you know i would just design like um like all the outfits and like all the album art and like the the conceptual thing it's like um and you know i had like a million different names starting from like fourth grade on like yeah. as my name so that was my first foray into like like doing making music it was just something that i have always done whenever i got into something i would always like try to make my own version of it um i think i'm always been in pursuit of like how can i make this absolutely like the perfect representation of like this potentiality right Mm -hmm. and like for me that's like the perfect representation of that is like what exists in my head when i'm hearing it which might not be exactly what it's translated to be in, in the reality right yeah so even when i was a kid i was like making rap like pause tapes and um stuff like that like i would take an instrumental i remember i made a beat that was um basically the same the same sample as um today was a good day by ice cube and like because my mom had that on the 45 so i like looped the intro of that song um on one tape recorder and then on another tape recorder i had recorded myself playing galaga out loud (laughs) so i had like these galaga sound effects plus the loop for today was a good day um, going on two different tape recorders, and then on the third tape recorder, I, I wrote a rap, and like I rapped to it. So <laughs> I would do that shit all the time, like all all that kind of stuff. So that was like my first foray into like making music, which is actually kind of weird because the way I create is kind of like cut and paste, no matter what I'm doing. So I always had this like kind of collagey style of creating, and I, I was doing that at an early age. So yeah. Well, I didn't form proper until I was like out of high school, though. Yeah. So, what I was gonna say is, you know, what's weird is like, um, this 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 aspect of creation, like where you're 
just like doing these things like sort of on the fly with this like cut and paste. Uh, what happens there, I feel like in my experience is that you can have these like sort of like happy accidents where <laughs> you, you're anticipating something and then some other really cool thing happens like when you're looping the thing, then there's this weird noise at the end of the loop. And right. that's part of the beat now, you know, or like, right. <laughs> or you're, you're, you're playing the Galaga and you're recording that. And then someone honks a horn outside and that's part right. of the beat now. And, and you're no, like, sure, yeah. it's, that's, that's part of like the, the, mm -hmm. the, um, way that I hung on to that sort of Kinko's cut and paste aspect of like DIY yes. design for so long too. Cause you'd have that yeah. as well. You're just like, Oh, this, the way that this looks once you Xerox it 10 times looks kind of shitty and yeah. I, I'm into right. it, you know? Right. Um, but yeah, that's, that's really cool. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's very rare when I've talked to people who've done the like several recording things like right. at the same time as well, definitely yeah. a, a hallmark of folks around our age, I guess. Um, but, um, yeah, well, um, once you like, like were you know, you were doing that and stuff like so did you pretty much always like um did you was there ever a point where you thought that there were like um there was like a some kind of prerequisite that you had to have yeah. to like make music or were you just like this is yeah. something that i'm doing right now and i'm going to do it well it wasn't that i thought there was a prerequisite i just thought that there was like like no way that like some kid from Greenville, North Carolina was going to be able to like be on a stage, you know, mm. but for me, it was more like, I just really enjoy sitting in my room, like making songs or like writing things or drawing, you know, like for me, it was more like, I just like sitting in my room and like creating and creating different worlds that I can escape into, whether that be through music or like dictating like entire movies on my, into my tape recorders or whatever. Um, things like that. Like I would always like, always be wanting to like create something and i had no clue that you could make like a living doing it or that you could just be an artist or that you could like play a show in like japan you know i, I had no idea that you could do these things but like at the same time it was kind of like someone's doing them <laughs> like actual beings are doing it so yeah it's it's kind of interesting like um when I first started doing things, I, w I was basically sort of like, um, like in my own world. So I didn't really like think that I would ever be on a stage, but, um, yeah, like once I sort of like graduated high school, started, um, you know, being on my own a little bit more coming into myself and like discovering like new styles of music and how to create music and make music and things like that. I started to realize that like, um, you know, this, this, this is, this is a really good way to like meet people and network and, and have a friend group and like a tribe sort of, you know, and mm -hmm. sort of like be, you know, become an entire whole human being, you know, mm -hmm. and there's other nerds out there that like sitting in their room and uh, fucking around with stuff. So it's, you know, it just, it just became this, um, thing that was like a little bit more gradual than it was sudden, I guess, for me. Mm -hmm. But I think also like, um, and it also it all comes in levels, right? So like, I was really like I like I said, I was really exposed to my my mom's forty fives, and then hip hop hit, and then not only did hip hop hit for me, but like Public Enemy hit for me. Like they became my favorite band, and it was like, wow, you can do a lot with music, and then. I found Nirvana and I was like, whoa, you can do a lot more with music. And it just kept, <laughs> my brain just kept getting more and more exposed to like, because the, the late eighties, early nineties was freaking wild for like new sounds and music. Like yeah. it was just like everywhere you turned, there was like a new genre and a new like group with this like immense personality and immense like, sound that was different than any other group like there was tons of them all over the place like nwa jane's addiction sonic youth public enemy and like discovering all these groups like pixies and stuff you're just like how are they doing all this you know yeah. like so yeah
and it was just it, it just was mind blowing. Like, so yeah. <laughs> turn it on and it sounded the way it yeah. sounded, which was crappy right. and distorted right so like how do you mm -hmm. get your guitar to sound like that <clears throat> and i had a friend tell me like oh yeah they tune their guitars like really high which is like right i think that's bullshit i don't think they tune any differently <laughs> on, right yeah but like yeah. it's it's like that's how like how many different pockets you could go into to where you're like mm -hmm. you as as someone at that time in that age and you're just like they must be do they must be using totally different shit than everybody else if it sounds right. so different and so specific right. to what they're doing you know right and uh yeah i mean like dinosaur jr you know and like you're just like <laughs> yeah. what the fuck is that like some of this yeah stuff. um and um dinosaur jr was like definitely one of those bands um but it was like when all those bands hit it was kind of like I don't know. It was just a different, it was just a different vibe. Like I was not feeling rock and roll like at the time. Um, you know, I had a few friends that would be like super obsessed with it, like listening to Cinderella and like uh, Poison and stuff. And I'd just be like, yo, this is laughable. Like this is, this is a joke, you know? Like when, when Schooly D's I Hate Rock and Roll came out, like I was feeling every bit of that. Cause I was just like, he's right. Like all of this stuff is garbage. Like they're just, like, you know, these like weird guys. And like, even if I didn't have the language for it, I knew that their sort of machismo was kind of stupid and fake. Right. Yeah. So I was just like, no, nah, this ain't it, man. This ain't it. Like you can't, you're not going to turn me onto this. And like, you know, he would show me tapes, even from bands like Anthrax and stuff. I just be like, what, what is this man? I don't, I'm not feeling it. And then like one day I was just watching MTV 
getting ready for like MTV raps actually. And they were like a new band named Nirvana is just taking over the airwaves little by little or some shit like that. It was like Kurt Loder or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and then when I saw that video, I was like, yo, this is actually it. Like this is, <laughs> this is the kind of stuff that my friends should be listening to that are trying to get me into rock and roll. And that it was, it was absolutely mind blowing. It truly was life changing stuff. Like, yeah, I know that they. I know it's not cool. It wasn't cool then to be like a post Nirvana punk or whatever. But like, I'm really like stoked that I discovered that group. Yeah, because they they weren't selfish with their knowledge either. Like, they were like, no, nah, we're just ripping off Sonic Youth and Wipers and Pixies. And I'm just like, oh, and I'm just like sitting there taking notes, like you know. Yeah, well, who do I listen to next? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, exactly. Cut and paste. Cut and paste. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so you said like after you graduated, then that's when you started sort of like meeting people and I'm assuming you would start your like first band somewhere around then. Like how did that happen to where you finally ended up like playing in a band? Yeah. Like I was like 20, I was like, I was like 19 or so when I did my book, my first show. Um, so, um, I was, I started going out to this little tiny bar in Greenville and, um, I saw a bunch of bands play and I really, really liked them. My friend's band, they were called Mushmouth, And I was like, yo, I really like this band and I need to be involved somehow. So I just started talking to the guy and he was super nice. There weren't, there wasn't a lot of people at the show. So I started booking, I booked my very first show with like basically two of the bands that were on that lineup. Um, just local bands, Mush Money and this uh, Mush Mush Mouth and this band called Grumble Bunny, and then I um, started listening to a radio show, and I booked the host band. They were called Peaceful Non-Existence. They they're actually for well, around for a while. They were like a, a straight edge hardcore band, and um, some and then I booked some metal band from the <laughs> from the um, from the coast at this like little teen center, and um, like the energy from that was like really you know started to get like you know make me want to like play and make music more and so i started booking shows and going to shows and then i went to see uh this band called propagandi in like 94 this house show and it was the first time i went to a house show it was the first time i was at a show that was in a bar or like a, a center or a venue or something and um yeah i discovered essentially basically discovered like this kind of like underground punk movement, you know, like crusties and riot girls and like all the people making zines and stuff like that. You know, I discovered all that stuff, um, at this show. Uh, and, um, I was like, that's what I want to do. I want to make crazy music where you just throw your guitar around and scream. <laughs> so yeah. that's what I, yeah, I started doing that. And then I, um, um, this um these two these two twins came to town. I don't know if you ever heard of this band from uh, Atlanta called the Selmaners, but I was actually in a band with them. It was my very first band, and um, we just kept going through drummers. But yeah, my very first band was kind of this screamo heroin meets Moss Icon wannabe. I don't know if you even know these bands, but yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't know the band that you said that the twins were from, but I yeah I know heroin. Oh yeah, that was their band once they left Greenville and kind of like they were playing in that sort of moment where everyone was kind of playing rock and roll and post-punk. Like they had this kind of like, like they would play, I think they would play shows with that band like clinic and they would play shows with like, um, you know, like kind of like the rock and roll kind of bands from that era from like mm-hmm. the O's or whatever, mm-hmm. you know? So yeah, that's what they were doing. They would play bands. I think they would play with like go, go, go Earhart and like, Oh, right. <laughs> Yeah, early like Black Keys shows, maybe even uh-huh. maybe like the Hives and all those kinds of bands. They would play with those bands, but um, they had a very like they had a very like 60, 70 sound. But um, yeah, that was my first band, and it was like yeah, it was fun. Um, I didn't really yeah, not super ambitious as far as like try to record or anything. So I don't have any recordings from my earlier bands when I was in North Carolina. But yeah, it's. Solarize the first band that you have recordings of? Um, yeah, first like in studio recordings, yeah. There's yeah. a live recording of a band that I was in called Fame. Um that 
uh, kind of fell apart. Like we were supposed to go on tour with this band Liars, but um, it kind of fell apart. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, I guess Solarize is the first band. Okay. Um, so yeah, like, so it's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. So so you know you so you got like tons of experience like playing in bands at the point where Solarized first thing comes out. So like you, you know, you like, obviously, you know, we're playing shows and doing all the stuff that, uh, yeah. that you do when you're in bands. And then yeah, yeah, yeah. when Solarize happens and then, you know, this is like the era of band camp and everything. And it's like, we're going to do yeah. this recording. We're going to throw it up right away. Right. So like, what was that like the first time when you like go and you hit record to do the vocals and you're like, this is, they had to feel like a culmination of a lot of yeah. things that never, you know, you don't have anything to show for. Like, what was that like right. for you? I think the first time, the first time I recorded, I was like really nervous. I don't know if you can even hear it on the um, the very first demo, but um, I think after the first demo and just listening to it a bunch of times, I was like, man, I really like this. And like, I actually started to like really like recording and like not being afraid to do like the second third sometimes fourth take like just getting it right became a thing that i wanted to do mm. and that was something that i always was scared of like what if i can never get this right but then i started to appreciate the process a lot more um but and like you know um uh, recording it i recorded it at um uh, bj houses um the guy that runs sra records recorded at red planet um the lp and like you know he's a super nice guy he makes everything feel like you're just hanging out eating pizza right mm -hmm. so i didn't really have you know a bunch of nerves or anything i just like wanted to make sure everything was right and like i rewrote the lyrics like 15 times and like you know just making sure everything was like succinct and uh cohesive mm -hmm. um at least in my mind but still felt chaotic if you were listening to it yeah which is a really hard thing to pull off but um you know, and I was like, I was channeling, of course, like the San Diego sound from the 90s. Uh, I don't know if you know of any of those bands, but. Um, uh, yeah, you I, know, mean, I reckon. Stuff. Yeah, yeah, like on Gravity Records and stuff. I was actually going to say like that yeah. Solarize reminds me of like a, a cross between like the earliest Discord stuff and Gravity Records stuff. Oh, man, that's huge. Yeah. I appreciate it. Like, I think. Mm -hmm. It's so wild, like, y'all's recordings, like, they sound like <clears throat> the best recordings from mm -hmm. that era. Like, yeah. you know, like, yeah, yeah. it's just like, there's so much, there's so much that can go wrong when you're trying to, like, nail that sound or whatever, yeah, that yeah. just doesn't go wrong with you all. <laughs> like, yeah. it's, it's dead on it. And, uh, yeah. Like the way well, the guitarist Joe, you know, um, we're like, you know, we're from that era. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and then B, like, we're obsessed with it. Like, that's our sound, right? Like, yeah. that's all we listen to, right? Like, Swing Kids and Born Against and Bikini Kill and Antioch Arrow, you know what I mean? Like, uh -huh. Unwound and, like, uh, that's all we care about, right? <laughs> like, when someone says punk, that's the first thing that pops in our head. Like, um, you know, so it was like... And we both like started the band with like the idea of being a cross between Swing Kids and like John Henry West, which is this semi-obscure band from Sarah Kirsch, who was in a bunch of bands that mm -hmm. helped define the sort of chaotic emo style that no one ever talks about anymore, right? Yeah. So that was our whole goal, like was to do that version of that. And also I had in my mind that I wanted to create the record that like 20 year old me really needed at the time, like a queer black man screaming about queer black things and other things that this queer black person was also interested in, like science fiction and how science fiction can be used to like liberate us or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. So I basically was writing this album for 17, 18, 19 year old Alex, right? Like what would he want? What would he, what does he need while he's going through what he's going through, like coming out of the closet and like sort of pulling back the veil of punk rock, like realizing that it's not this utopia or whatever. It's still kind of fucked up and racist and homophobic, right? Mm -hmm. So still 
like what does he need to hear like right so that's kind of like what i was writing how i was writing the record too so i had a lot of different um forces that were helping me that were guiding me to like really make it sound like it was from that era but also modern too so it's like it's so hard to pull off but i think we did a pretty good job with it i think yeah so yeah yeah Yeah, no it's it's like i said i mean i there's you know there's there's like as far as like production goes you know there's plenty of there's plenty of jokes about like uh how somebody will have really expensive equipment and then try to make something sound shitty and it's right. like that whole thing is like so overdone you know but like mm-hmm. where y'all are at where it's just like this is how we sound and whoever's pushing the buttons at that time like knows how to capture that and get yeah. that the way that is instead of being like and now we're going to use these triggered drum sounds like that you know so just just take everything that we just heard and and um homogenize it or something like let's not do that you know um but yeah it's it's uh it's like like i i mean um i don't i don't know like i hate to make like an obvious comparison um based on like like where y'all are from but like i really really used to like ink and dagger a lot and like solarized fills that ink and dagger void in my life i'm like this is like yeah so i like really uh, um and um yeah if uh if if ink and dagger was ever to to do a reunion set somewhere if they don't ask you to do the vocals i don't know who could do it um probably nobody but um, yeah, but um, I mean, yeah, the thing is really great, you know. Yeah. Um. So like, you, you know, um, you, you finally had your band going and stuff, and um, you know, obviously, like the last year or so, that's not yeah. really been something that you know you can you can focus on. Um. But you have this whole other like you said you've always been able to get into these other worlds and just like escape mm-hmm. them. like <clears throat> you've published books uh you're you've got like i don't even is this is black fans the first like um fully like produced comic that you've made or have you done other comics um i've actually done one other one with um jacob Major. <laughs> okay um, from uh, Animal Kingdom, um, it's called The Believers. Okay. Um, yeah, and it was um, it was like a black and white comic that we did like a very small run of. Um, we just really wanted to work together, and uh, you know, I guess our time only permitted us to do like a small run of this like little tiny mini comic or whatever. But it was fun, and um, it was a good like sort of learning curve kind of thing where we um, we like I was able to sort of dip into like scripting for comics and seeing how everything ebbs and flows and working with an artist and that kind of stuff. And like seeing my characters, like go from my kind of like ratty, shitty little sketches into like these full fledged, awesome things. So that was that. And, um, I did another short piece, um, called Avia with, um, artist Annie Mock that was in, um, Island Magazine, which is this um, anthology that was put out by Image Comics. So those are the two things that I've done. Oh, before. shit, you have something in that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always forget which issue it is because um, we're not listed on the freaking like, credits page of that Image Comics uh, issue. Right. But, um, it's in there. <laughs> like, yeah. if, you go to, um, if you go to like a free comic site, you can... Um, go to island comics and you'll find it that's awesome but, those were so good yeah. but like my yeah. comic shop has like they're so bad at like, oh they don't get something every time like i don't know yeah. like even even like stuff i've had on my pull list or whatever like yeah. I'll, I'll just be randomly just like missing an issue and i'm like Oof. this shouldn't be the case so like i do have a couple issues of that island i i'll have to like look through them and see you know what i've got yes it's got this like weird tree on the cover it's like 
um, like I think it's like a yellowish background. Um, I'm gonna look it up real quick. It'll take me yeah, like yeah. three seconds. Yeah, no worries. But, um, but yeah, that's um, that was my first sort of published thing in like a somewhat major, I guess, uh, outlet or whatever. So. So what was that like? As as far as like, so you're like, I recorded an album, and I had something yeah. put out by Image. Like what? How yeah. how would you compare those experiences? I mean, it's been a weird last few years. Like. I don't know. I don't know really what it was. I think I was sort of, you know, insecure and like not very focused when I was younger. And I guess part of me never really thought that I could actually do any of these things that I'm doing. But um, I basically did all the stuff that a lot of people do in their like late 20s, early 30s, like in my late 30s, early 40s. Right. Like So I got like I published my novel in like or my short story collection in like 2018. Like, um, I've been a vinyl collector since the nineties, but I produced my, my very own first vinyl, like just a few years ago. Like, you know what I mean? So it's been like all these weird, interesting firsts for me, but, um, uh, it feels really good. Like it feels it's, it's super weird and, and kind of interesting, but like, I just, I kind of told myself, like, no one's going to tell my story, right? Like, no one's going to champion the ideas that I want to champion or be the representation that I want to see represented. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I just got to do it myself and do it together. Like, you know, like, I form collectives and, um, you know, I, I had people helping me and just guiding me, you know. So it's been really, really interesting. Um, but yeah, like every single time something wild happens, it's always like, like it's the first time that it's happened, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you it's, had, just, it's just really fun. Yeah. You had a, a book published not that long ago as well, correct? Yeah, I self-published it. It's called oh, okay. um, Arc. Yeah. Arc what? Arc Dust. Oh, okay. I, yeah. I thought so, but... I just, I don't know if we kind of broke up or I just didn't hear you. I just wanted to make sure that people heard that. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And um, you can, like, you can order that online somewhere, right? Like, there's a, is there well, a, new, a newish printing? Did I, am I? So, yeah. So, like, I, I, we, I printed, like, two small runs of it. And then I, um, it got picked up by a publisher. Okay. Um, Rosarium Publishing okay. is going to be putting it out. I hope sometime at the, towards the end of this year, um, it's got kind of a full slate and, you know, COVID has kind of stalled the publishing industry a, a good deal, especially mm-hmm. for Indies. So, um, yeah, it got picked up by an actual legit press, which is really kind of phenomenal and, and super dope. <laughs> like it doesn't really happen that way, but you know, the, the, the person that owns it, Bill Campbell, he was just reading, my book and in midway through he was like bro i gotta pull put this out and i was like yeah man let's do it <laughs> so yeah it's gonna be kind of fun like yeah I you know to that. get yeah it's like, super fun
I like how that just sounds so rogue. Just like yeah. you're just reading no, yeah. something and you're just like, fuck it. I'm going to get yeah. a hold of this person and we're going right? to get this out there. You know? That's like really dope, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. I, don't, I don't have the energy to like submit stuff. Like, I don't have the, like, I didn't, I didn't want to like, I had this collection of stories and I didn't want to sit around and like try to get an agent and like make cover letters and like hobnob with people and then like wait five months just to get rejected and, and, and do the whole process over again. Right. right. I just didn't, I didn't have the, the energy for that. Right. Yeah. And like, I'm punk, you know? So like, I'm just like, <laughs> I was like, yo, I got a few, I got a couple thousand dollars that I can raise or save up, you know, and I did a little GoFundMe for it and people were hitting it up pretty fast because they wanted to see, you know, they want to see me shine or whatever. And that's mm-hmm. awesome that I have a friend, you know, based in a community that's like going to look at what I'm doing, which is kind of different in its own way. Like um, putting like black people, people of color, um, queer people, like in front of the camera, you know, like mm-hmm. in, in so to speak, like make like having marginalized people be like the, um, the heroes in their own story, um, in a sci-fi story, in fact. And so, like people saw that there was a need for that, and like you know they backed me or whatever. And so I was able to just put it out myself and like sell it. I sold a lot of those comics, like a lot of those books, at like shows that my bands would play, like That's at solo. Awesome shows or at rainbow crime shows like people be like what's this i've never seen a band with a book before and i was like oh i self-published this thing and 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 then you know i would meet people and like talk to them so i would sell probably like two books every show at least right which is like yeah yeah so people are just like hungry for it man they want they want some new shit all the time like and you know like you just need to have a voice and like a passion for something and really want to tell a unique, strange, different story that no one's seen yet or that didn't know that they want it. Right. Like yeah. you can't do it half-assed. You can't do it like just to do it. Like there's a lot of bands that do it just to do it and that's fine, but they fill up the racks, you know, yeah. they don't like, there's nothing that makes me want to like just grab this and be in awe. So Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, um, I guess I guess I just like saw you mention that that was going to happen and thought it already did. But yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, people should definitely look out for that. Um, but yeah, we keep we keep sort of hitting on you know making comics and 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 black vans and stuff. But uh, yeah. I saw today that black vans is over the Kickstarter amount. So congratulations, yeah. that's amazing. Thanks. Um, Thank you. I I listened to. A, a couple comic podcasts where people talk about the Kickstarter process being so super nerve wracking and et cetera, yeah. et cetera. I don't really know if that's because they were they're, they're What they're looking to do is in some uh, mm. number of production wise, like some mm. astronomical figures or whatever. But um, how have you found the process like between setting it up and like what you were aiming for? Yeah, the setup, the setup was a little difficult. Um, I'm not very good at filling out forms, so that was another issue. Um, like it, it sounds weird, but it's it's one of those quirks of mine where I can't like, like I get like weird when I have to fill out a form, which oh, is no, like I get it. Like yeah. My, like it's super weird that I've even won grants because like I find them extremely difficult to uh, to fill out. But once I start doing it, I'm like, you know, this isn't so bad. I just need to like fix my brain to sort of like kind of accept that this is a part of how you get funding or money or get your name out there mm-hmm. or whatever it is that you're trying to do. Like, so it's just hard for me to like um, sort of like. Uh, factionalize what I'm doing in that way but um, the process was a little bit a little rough it took me a full day to finally like sit down and like hammer it all out Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, one thing that's helped me I I tried to like do it as minimally as possible Um, I didn't want to overstate the sort of like um, 
goals for what I'm trying to do. I didn't want to have a huge, like, we need 30,000, you know, like, yeah. like <laughs> I wanted to have it like be as minimal as possible, truthful as possible. Um, and yeah, just like, I think a lot of people think that they, they're going to do these products projects and get rich, but if you do it minimally, it'll be 10 times more successful and, um, you know, more empowering than if you like try to like compete with Marvel or DC or something. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. And it's also about like what kind of product you're trying to like, you're trying to give to the people. Like I know a lot of people are get upset that their comic book Kickstarters don't work out. But when I look at their, the characters that they've designed, they basically just look like C list versions of Marvel and DC characters. And it's like, I know that you're inspired by that stuff, but what else inspires you? Like put your own personality into what you're doing. Right. Like I have superheroes in my book, but they have like my own sort of quirkiness and personality, like kind of draped all over them. And I think people respond to that. They respond to new things. Like, especially if you're looking at a Kickstarter and like, you know what to, and you don't have your name out there. Yeah. So you have to like, yeah. Yeah. Because so. like first, first, first off, like at least from, from where, you know, from from your point of view, like you mentioned before, you're like, I have this community that supported me when when I did my book. So like, that's what people want. They're like, we right. want the Alex version of this, and it's like, <laughs> so like I I've been doing like I've just been doing like comic strips on on Instagram, and 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 oftentimes I'm like, I ask myself, I'm like. Is this is this good or people do people just like this because they know me? Like, right. would this be good on its own? You know, mm. and I mean, um, like I didn't know you very well, so seeing black vans and just being like, holy shit, like I got mm. I got to support this, I got to hear about it, etc. Like I think <laughs> you know you're way beyond like what I'm saying, but like <laughs> you know, do you ever ha do you ever have like those kinds of like where you're like. Um, where you're like, you examine like, like, uh, well, I'm making this like pretty much for me and right. like, people who are down with the same kind of stuff that I'm, you know, down with. But do you ever like examine it from a, a more like, I don't know, like, um, literal yeah. point of view and, and like, if so, that seems like that could only be restrictive, but do you ever get that yeah. way in your head just about it? No, not at all, honestly. That's awesome. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, I used to, you know, I used to, like, try to, like, see, oh, like, I need to conform my art to sort of, like, appeal a little bit. Like, mm -hmm. I should tamp it down, but I don't have any, like, well, I don't care about that anymore. Yeah. Like, it used to bother me so much. Especially, I think it's because I used to try to like book shows and have events, and um, I wanted to be like a little bit different than what I'm doing now. Like, I wanted to like, be more like for a long time, I wanted to be a DJ, and then I wanted to like be this rock, rock and roll dude or whatever. But I sort of like I got tired of trying to like um, be myself, but also be contained in these like weird ways right mm -hmm. so and like worried about if i was going to put butts in the seat so i just started doing more events that where i just didn't give a shit if people came or not and yeah. but i kept it minimal i kept it i kept my expenses minimal and the venues that i chose were like like free or like cheap right like i kept everything minimal and i tried to like cultivate um I don't want to say a brand, but I tried to cultivate a community around what I was doing. Right. Mm -hmm. So like early on when I, when I started realizing that I could do science fiction in the same way that a lot of people make music or do punk or whatever, I um, started this reading series called laser life. And my whole point was I just need a venue to read my weird gay Afrofuturist sci-fi stories. Right. That's mm -hmm. all I wanted. And I found 
like three or four other people that wanted to do the exact same thing. Right. So I was like, okay, we're just going to, we're just going to do, we're just going to have this event where we read our stories instead of a poetry reading, we're going to read our stories. Right. Mm -hmm. And if no one shows up, then no one shows up. It's fine. Like we did our thing. This is all we want to do. But people showed up because they wanted, because of the authenticity and because they wanted, they were looking for new ways to sort of like define their existence in the world. Like they wanted to look for a new way to like bring these like nerdy aspects of their lives into these other realms, like the political, spiritual, and emotional aspects of their lives too. So we like, and when I say we, I mean like my crew, Metro Polarity, um, which is a sci-fi collective that um, I started like about almost 10 years ago now. I helped start. Um, and so like we were doing these things like um, all throughout the city and like eventually we started branching off and doing our own thing but like um that's kind of what we wanted to do like we wanted to like just do this because it's burning inside right you know what i mean like yeah. i don't know like people can people can sense when you're like not being genuine people can sense when you're like you're just doing it just to be doing it but if it's burning inside of you then like it's going you know it might take a while but it's going to happen eventually so yeah but, yeah I, I like that you hit on the like connection like between like um, making written work or like comic work or whatever and like making music in a punk band because like I was like I'm I've been working on um, I've been working on a, a comic with a friend of mine and and I'm just like drawing this and I'm like this feels so fucking punk like to just yeah, be like yeah. i don't i don't <clears throat> i think like i i put this to my friend the other day but i i think like just from like drawing to like doing sequential work like is the difference between like playing guitar on your own at your house to like joining a band mm. like you yeah. have to get better so much faster yeah yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> and it's like in some way, I was like waiting for permission from someone to do it. Like, I was like doing my drawings myself and, you know, mm -hmm. I post them and some people would like some of them and wouldn't and whatever. And then it's like I was waiting for permission and I'm like, ah, I never waited for permission to like sing my stupid songs or whatever. Like, why am I yeah. waiting now? You know, and so. Yeah. And yeah, it just felt it felt so punk. It felt like, yeah. you know, uh, you you mentioned, you know, like, um people trying to like like we know you're influenced by what they're doing at marvel and dc and so yeah. you know if you're if you create something that's an homage to that or whatever then you know that's yeah. your own your own business but like yeah. um just like just being like damn just like the music that we make doesn't have to look like that or like whatever yeah. like that's the other right. thing about comics which is just like yeah so punk it's just like it yeah. can look like however, you know? Yeah. And like you and said, even, you yeah. wanted to see you wanted to see people that look like you in comics. Yep. You wanted to see comics about like what you want to see them about. And it's like there's mm -hmm. nothing more punk than that than just being like, We're doing this, you know? Yeah. And it's like it's it's also even like punker because there's no system set up, right? There's well, they are in comics there's there's beginning to be a lot more people who are like really gravitating towards like a sort of like indie style of comic. Right. But like, um, you know, there's fewer avenues for like doing it yourself, like in comics and also like having people find your stuff. Right. Yeah. Like in, in, in music, you can find all of these different avenues and it's even harder with like the written word and like books and literature, because it's like, even even indie presses have you go through the motions and the the hoop jumping of like you know finding an agent and like writing a cover letter and doing all these quote unquote professional things instead of just like making the art and then like having and then sharing the art right so it's like punker to like write and draw <laughs> and like you know and like defy the odds than it is to like just like pick up a guitar in my opinion because like we've all seen the results of what that could be right since yeah. like 1977 or whatever, like we can even go further. So, but we haven't seen really the results 
until I guess kind of recently of what it, it what it's like to just kind of do it yourself, right? So yeah, and yeah, yeah, because like you were saying, like there's there is a, a system even like for for bands like you know mm-hmm. smaller bands like the bands I'm in or whatever. There's a system mm-hmm. in place. It's like like mm-hmm. yeah, our friends built this system. Like we rely on each other, but you can't. Yeah. You can just like message your friend and be like, "Hey, uh, I need a show in Philadelphia on the twenty seventh, right. you know, and yeah. you, and you, somebody's gonna like make that happen for you." But you yeah. can't, you know, you can't go to your friend like, "Hey, I just put out this comic, like, invite right. people to your house to you know right. check it out," you know. It's um, totally different world. Yeah, it's totally different world. So like doing it, like making comics. Um, it's really fun, but it's also strangely isolating in a way. So, but you have to be just be prepared for like, and you have to be realistic. Um, you have to be realistic with your goal, <laughs> excuse me, and be prepared that it's not going, like I'm thinking in my mind. So I'm thinking about a few like black um, independent mm-hmm. comic companies that have uh, been doing things recently and some of them have been like really, really successful, right? And then some of them have been like not, they haven't even gotten past the Kickstarter phase, but it's because like, you know, the differences in approaches. Like if you know that you're capable of doing a Kickstarter and getting 50 grand, like that means, so if you have a Kickstarter that's going to be 50 grand, that means that's all you're talking about for like the next month, like the next and you should have been talking about it for like a year before you even started it. Right. Mm-hmm. Like you have to like build a base, a, a community, a world. Like you have to like Wu-Tang that shit, like Wu-Tang before it even started, they were like handing out stickers and they would go to record stores and like, they would like go behind the counter and like play their record. You know what I mean? Like you have to like, <laughs> you have to do crazy shit. Like you have to like really, like we we announced Black Vans almost a year ago to the day, like a year and a week ago, right? Like, but and it's been like this constant drum up for me personally, like doing things in this style since like 2010, right? And so you can't just like be just decide one day that you're going to do a Kickstarter for fifty thousand dollars and expect people to just like jump into it like there's so much that you have to plan so much like and then you have to have like an idea that people didn't know they needed right Mm -hmm. and so the two black companies that i'm thinking of uh, one of them is called godhood comics and, and i can't remember the other one but they brought these ideas that people didn't know that they needed and then this other company i see this guy he's on facebook all the time and he's always complaining that no one supports him but it's like you don't have anything to offer that's like different and weird and unique and bizarre and strange and otherworldly that we feel like we can attach to like when we first saw the wu-tang symbol we were attached when we first saw the hieroglyphics logo we were like we were attached like you don't have a community that we are a tribe right you're just a guy that wants us to give you money and that's not going to work so it's, you know, it's a, yeah, I'm sorry. This is a bit of a, <laughs> no, it's just, no, that's, that's really fascinating. Yeah. Like, yeah, these are, these are all things you have to think about. Like yeah. you can't just start doing it, but at some point you do have to just start doing it. Like, but mm-hmm. it's like managing your expectations. I know I can't do 50 K, but I can do a small amount. I can do a 500 run of something. I know that I can affect people in this way and that way. You know what I mean? And like, eventually somebody larger will find it. Like Rosarian, like I said, Rosarian Publishing found it, found what I'm doing. Like somebody wanted to actually put out the Solarized record, like actually put out a physical copy of a record that I'm I'm making. So it's like, you know, it's little things like that. You have to like, you have to like build a build a community, and you have to like know what you're capable of. I know I'm not capable of being like this snake oil salesman for two years trying to get my company to like you know be worth half a million dollars so i'm not even trying for that i'm trying to like have a little corner you know do a little table at um some kind of weird con somewhere like have you know with my like two or three books that's all i'm trying to do you know and it's interesting because people with the internet people will find it you know you just gotta like 
you just got to know and understand what you're capable of. Push it a little bit more, but understand that like you can carve out something if you do this, if you take these steps. So that, um, that's, that's, if, if you don't have anything else to add, I think that's a great place to end it. Yeah, that sounds good to me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, of course. And that was my conversation with Alex Smith. Thank you so much, Alex, for taking the time to chat with me. If y'all haven't already, definitely go check out the Black Vans Kickstarter page. Just Google Black Vans Kickstarter and it'll take you right there. Until next time, take care and do good things.